Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Yeah, and welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here. This is podcast 408. Good to have you here. Thanks for your love and support and your emails and communication at MaximizeYourInfluence.com or send it to me at Kurt, K-U-R-T at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Appreciate feedback, the jokes, and even the blunders. Hopefully you're having a great week. Mine's been a little low-key, fewer webinars, doing some coaching, helping people with their persuasive presentations, been evaluating some videos. Send them over, I'll take a look. And just enjoying a slower-paced week. So, is this video conferencing thing, this Zoom, Skype, WebEx, Microsoft, whatever you use, does it make you more influential? Does it hurt? Is it helping? Is it hurting? Are you being persuasive or anti-suasive? <laughs> and the answer is yes, all of the above. It depends on how you use it. It can be a great tool, just like anything else. But sometimes we use the tool for the wrong reason with the wrong person. Remember, our goal is to persuade people how they want to be persuaded. And my goal for you is always to give you more tools. Quit chopping down the tree with a hammer. There are better tools. Axe, chainsaw, but it depends on the person. Some people want to use a stick of dynamite. Well, sure, got rid of the tree, but the tree's gone, and you don't want to do that to your prospect. Sure, it might look like you achieved your goals by getting rid of the tree, but you needed the tree, you needed the wood, and you don't want to go down that path. So let's dive into it with a persuasion blunder. Homer? Don't, don't, don't! Went to the boat show this week. Always a great thing. Fun to see. Love boating. It's incredible what they're coming out with. And the prices of these things are through the roof compared to cars. But hey, one spot everyone's showing the latest and greatest boat products that are out there. So looking at this one boat, just, you know, it's a 25-footer, pretty big. Small price tag of $365,000. It was on sale, though. It was on sale. But here was a challenge. I was just monitoring, looking at the ninjas, looking at the blunders. And this person came up. And the person I was there with, it was on their list. But, you know, people tend to prejudge. And that's a big challenge. That's one of the biggest blunders because it sucks the life out of you and you say stupid things and you treat people like they can't do it. Maybe they can. You know, when people go to a Ferrari dealership in ripped jeans and a t-shirt to see how they're treated, it's a very common thing. But here was the opening statement. After this salesperson prejudged, are you dreaming or are you actually interested? <laughs> wow. How many things are wrong with that? Are you actually interested? And the tone of voice was there, and it just really turned off the person. And of course, the salesperson was going through the motions. Well, I got to talk to this person, or my boss will be mad. And it just went downhill from there. So don't prejudge. Don't say stupid things. <laughs> Verbally package your words and treat everyone like they can do business with you, because every person you talk to can do business with you or knows someone that can. But be careful that you don't put someone into a category 
or assume one partner has the money over the other partner. You just don't know until you ask the questions. So there's the blunder. Don't prejudge. Put your heart and soul into it. A, it's good practice. B, you don't know. I mean, you might be right some of the time, but do you really know who you're talking to, how much money they have, how interested they really are until you ask the right questions? Now, I was going to get into email, and that led into it. It was more from a couple webinars I was doing, a couple Zoom calls. This keeps coming up again and again. Is Zoom good? Should we be using this? Should we be using video conferencing? Is it helping? Is it hurting? Not only just from running a team or being a manager, but also in the sales influence world. We have to gauge this. Is it easier, faster, and cheaper? Sure. But is it more persuasive? And again, the answer is... It depends on the person, the situation. Let's go through the research. So there wasn't one specific email. Oh, boy. It was a few emails, but it was also questions that keep coming up. So let's address it. Now, first of all, in the archives, podcast 344 is your Zoom voice being more captivating on Zoom. And you can get that at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. You can go to the archives. Also a place to take your Persuasion IQ assessment. Fight about product, services, and coaching all in one spot. There's your plug. Let's dive into it. But let's take a look at some current video conferencing statistics. These were gathered from different sources from digitalaround.com. Let's go through a few of them. And of course, all these links are at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Everybody knows in the last few years that video conferencing has exploded. It was always growing, but it's just off the charts. Everyone's considering an essential persuasion sales tool. If you don't have it, people are wondering, are you guys up to date? What's going on? And it's become critical connecting global teams and companies, especially during these crazy times. I mean, the explosion's incredible. According to Grandview, it's over a $6 billion industry. So let's go through a few of these. This is from Globe Newswire that 47% of video conference users have reduced their travel costs. Okay, well, duh. (laughs) That is true. But it's become more convenient. People don't want to travel more. They don't want to leave their home as much as they used to. But then on the flip side, they're always available even if they're on vacation. We could have meetings. We can do sales calls. So the good thing is it's a little more convenient. The bad thing is it's not as convenient to go on vacation other places because you always have your laptop and you can always log in. Here's an interesting one from Life Size that video conferencing improves communication for 99% of people. Now in the same study, 89% of the people said video calls help them feel more connected with their colleagues in the company. Well, maybe. I mean, nothing can replace face-to-face. Now, it does improve communication, I would say, over email or the phone, sure, but it's not going to replace face-to-face. Being in a room with someone, across the table from someone, it's a little bit different. So, it depends. That's what they found. I would agree, except for the face-to-face. They also found that video meetings improve productivity by 50%. Interesting. Probably true instead of just using the phone, a conference call. LifeSize also found in their studies that 9 out of 10 people said seeing someone helps you get your point across. Agree? Better than email? Better than a phone call? And they found out 38% of workers who said video conferencing greatly helps speed up the collaboration on projects. Don't think they're comparing that to -to face-to-face, but there is a benefit there. 
35% of people use video calls as a way to feel more included and more valued in their company. Now, I've seen other studies that show that depends. Now, 85% reported a video call made them feel more engaged with coworkers. That would be true if you already had the relationship. They're finding that new people who didn't have that relationship, that didn't have the previous face-to-face interactions, they felt the opposite. So video conferencing can really help people feel more engaged, maintain the relationship, as long as it was already there before. And here's what's interesting. According to Forbes, that 65% of all these remote meetings are done audio only. So videos touting all these benefits, but a lot of people, let's just do straight audio. And I've been on those calls. I don't want to turn on my camera. Audio only so much easier, so much less stressful. We'll talk more about that because we know that on video calls, 82% were less likely to multitask. Well, the camera's on or get up or do something else when the camera's on. And that's what's interesting because I've done the eight-hour Zoom training. I mean, there's breaks in there. And I've done the Adobe type, which is no camera, but it's interactive. You're drawing on the screen. You're showing PowerPoints. The webinars I do when the camera's not on, my evaluations are always much higher than a Zoom. Yeah, maybe it's my face. I don't know. Now, it's just a little more relaxing, less stressful. People get more out of it, it seems, just from my experience and what people say. And we'll talk about some solutions here in a second and the differences between the two. But let me finish up these studies. Now, we've known this. We talked about this on the show before. Ring Central came up with, and also a study from Albert Morabian, that 93% of communication is nonverbal, right? We're seeing people can be interactive. That can be helpful. And Global Newswire found that 25% of those between 18 and 29 use video calls every day. And that's the key here. We have to adapt to age. Some people are not used to this technology, I mean, the younger you get, the more FaceTime or WhatsApp, the more video conferencing they use, they're used to it. And you look at the age group from 45 to 60, that number drops. So you have to adapt to probably their use of technology to their age. I mean, think about this. Video phones, when they first came out, I don't know, when was it, 20 years ago? Complete failure. People didn't want to be seen. That was just too weird. They weren't ready for it. Now things have changed, but not everyone is ready for that change. And final one from Cisco, 90% of the people say video conferencing results in savings. We know that. And projects do get finished faster. And they find that companies that use video conferencing see less turnover, saving in money, and a lot of ways to cut costs. But there's some differences there. Again, these are people that you're working with. You're working on projects versus someone you're trying to sell or persuade. Quite a few differences there. There's no doubt there's been a shift. I mean, with COVID, people are getting used to it. They're staying home. Telehealth or video conferencing health services are going through the roof. I mean, people are going to the doctor anymore. A lot of that can be done via video conferencing. There's been some changes. So I was looking at a study done at Iowa State. And with Dr. DeVries, they were checking out the eyes. They're using eye tracking software to find out what people are doing and looking when they were video conferencing. So they got people together, they set everything up, they set up some distractions, they looked at different sizes of meetings, and of course they had the eye tracking software going, looking at those patterns and what the eye was doing. So it was a small group interactive video meeting, participants spent one third of their time looking at something other than the computer screen, versus participants in a large group meeting, it was 11%. 
Then, of course, they looked at the planned distractions. There was snacking, chairs moving, different things that they did to see if they could get people to look. And, of course, the more distractions, the more people looked away. Here's an interesting one that the research team found, that women looked at their own videos much more than men, which could cause Zoom fatigue or video conference fatigue. We'll talk about that here in a second. So we know it's a challenge, keeping people focused, cameras on, cameras off, what do we do? But the fatigue thing is real. We've talked about this before, and we'll put these articles at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. But the biggest study is Stanford University. It was also in the Journal of Technology, Mind, and Behavior that there is a psychological consequence of spending hours per day on Zoom and other video conferencing platforms. Now, that's a challenge. For you, your mental fatigue, are you in the right state to influence? And for them, if they're coming off a two-hour Zoom call, they're not going to be in the right state to be able to influence. They might be in fatigue. They might be overwhelmed. They might be difficult to keep them engaged. And so you have to gauge that. Are you coming off too many video calls? Are they? Because Zoom fatigue is a real thing. Well, let's talk about why and talk about some solutions. So you can use this tool in the most beneficial way. So first of all, before we get into this, make sure you're in the right state, you don't have this fatigue, and that they don't have the fatigue. Ask them, engage it, and see. Reschedule. Get them back in the zone. Whatever you need to do, but don't just start persuading. The first one is excessive amounts of close-up eye contact is very intense. So not only is the eye contact up close, but all these faces on our screen is unnatural, the sizes of the face. Because in a meeting, we look at the speaker, we might look around and look at the speaker, but now with Zoom, you're looking at everyone. And you're also looking in the mirror at you. So the people in the meeting that just normally sit around a table or in a room are being looked at by everyone, or at least that's how they feel. So now the eye contact people looking at you is dramatically increased. So now you have social anxiety, how do I look, <laughs> okay? What's going on? Whether they are or not, we think they are. And sometimes when we use these large monitors, these faces, again, are appearing too large for comfort. And it's almost like they're violating your personal space with someone that you don't know that well. I mean, when you get close to somebody, where does your brain go? Conflict? Fight or flight? Are they trying to pick up on me? I mean, when you violate someone's space, the brain goes into a hyper-aroused state. And it can't last that long. So that's part of it. And I mentioned seeing yourself during the video chat is fatiguing. Looking in that mirror, constantly looking at yourself. So the solution to that is get out a full screen option. You could reduce the size of the video chat window. Minimize face sizes. And make it seem like we have more space. And that other one, of course, is you're looking in a mirror. You're always looking at yourself thinking other people are looking at you. And for a lot of people, there's a negative emotional consequence for that. So for some, you could just change it off and turn off the videos, or you can just have the screen share, you're looking at a slide or a video, you're doing a whiteboard type presentation, or just have people turn cameras on certain times when you're doing Q&A or certain things or group exercises. Could be another way to reduce that fatigue. Other one is video chats dramatically reduce our mobility. We're sitting in a chair. Now, when I do the Zoom calls, I'm standing up. I have whiteboard. I have different cameras going on, so I switch it up. But most people are sitting in their chairs. You don't have as much movement or gestures. Movement's limited. And we know with the research that the more you can move, the better you think, the better your recall. So maybe more space, 
back up the camera. Like I said, I'll do a whiteboard. I'll back it up. That'll give you more space to move and more space for your audience. Another interesting one from this study is the cognitive load is much higher in video chats. You know, face-to-face, -face, we're used to reading nonverbal, reading the room, sensing the energy, reading nonverbals. But with these video conferencing calls, we have to work harder to send and receive signals, to feel the energy, to get people to react. I definitely know on video conferencing calls, whether it be corporate or university level, it's harder to get questions, it's harder to get that interaction, it's harder to read the room, and it does take a lot more mental energy. Eight-hour Zoom, hands down, is probably, I don't know, five times the energy and mental resources than doing a training in a room face-to-face. -face. So one size doesn't fit all. Now, projects, teams, people you've worked with for a while works really well. As a sales tool, you have to be careful of the age. You have to be careful on, are they already in fatigue mode? Are you in fatigue mode? Are you keeping it brief? Do you really need the camera on? And that would depend on length. But people are getting more and more used to it. But it's not going to replace face-to-face. -face. But sure, it's a better tool than the phone, than email, to get that interaction, to get things done, especially in a project setting. With influence, probably want to use all of the above. Maybe a little phone, some email, some video conferencing. It can work. Just like persuasion. Persuade people how they want to be persuaded. Use this tool, ask them, see if they turn on their camera first. If it's already on, then turn yours on. If it's off and they want it off, maybe they're more relaxed. That's easier for them. Follow their cue. And you can be more persuasive, influential using this technology. It is the new norm. People do multitask. It is harder, but it is something you can add to your toolbox when it's done the right way. But don't treat everyone the same. Adapt it to the areas we talked about. And you can use it as a great tool of influence. So if you want to know how to be more engaging on Zoom, go to the archives and check it out. We're also still beta testing the perfect persuasive presentation. So check this out. Go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Click on Podcast 408 and take your presentation IQ. It's 10 questions. Pretty simple to find out if you're just a lame presenter or charismatic persuader. There's a big difference between informing and influencing. So 10 quick questions to help you find out your strengths and your weaknesses helps me with my research. And for doing that, I'll give you the webinar, the training on the perfect persuasive presentation, step-by-step -step how to do it, download the template, and I guarantee it'll make a huge difference in your ability to persuade and influence when you present, whether it be one-on-one -on -one or with a group of people. So that's available. MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Thanks for being here. Please tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. Remember, we also could be found under Maximize Your Influence under iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So now you have the data. Now you have the feedback. Take something that you learned today. Apply it. Use it. Become more influential. Become more engaging. And go out and persuade with power.